Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Along with me, I guess it's the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra. Along with me, Sports Guy JP. Sports Guy JP, how are you doing this evening? I'm okay. I would have been great if it was the Poor Man's Podcast, but I guess since it's the Sports Extra, I'm doing okay. Just the Sports Extra. We'll have you back on the regular show sometime. But we we were we were discussing uh, doing some kind of Nick Gas thing. So now that the NFL season is winding up, we can get into some of the uh, uh, lesser known sports, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, spring football I hear may be on the rise due to the fact that no one's really into NHL, NBA so much anymore. But you can never go wrong with a good Temple run. So you know. Is, Barracudas, Orange yeah. Iguanas, whatever team you're rooting for, get back on it. Is there currently a USFL? I can't remember. I, I, I think <laughs> that they're like planning on bringing one of the one of the leagues back. I, I thought I remember seeing there being pro or semi pro. I guess they're pro football uh, in the spring, but I, I can't remember if it's USFL, XFL, whatever the hell it is, arena mm-hmm. football. When they it's used just to have like that. gambling rising. People love football and gambling together. So I think spring football may have it, it may work. That is a very good point. Um, anybody will look for any reason to be a degenerate gambler. Uh, so instead of having to bet on your kids, little league game, you can bet on, you know, the tier two uh, pro football players. Yeah, I'm out four grand after little Johnny hit the walk off. Yeah. You know, I'm just out. He's a bruiser. <laughs> He's a bruiser. Um, but JP, what I mean, I don't remember a weekend with games as good as this in, in a long time, and capping it with possibly one of the best games I've ever watched. Definitely the last, the best couple minutes at the end. I think this is probably the best weekend ever. In NFL every history. game came down to the end, like every point of every game mattered. Yeah, the first three games all ended on game-winning field goals, and the last one was in overtime. Yeah. It was, saw, it was uh, Saturday football had 70 million views and um, Sunday had like over 80. That's insane. Getting those numbers because I remember uh, listening to the radio and Billy Gardell was on and he was talking about his show, Bob Hart, Abishola or whatever. And he, they were like number number one or number three in the network and they had 5 million views. And now that, that's good for like network TV right now. He said yeah. a couple and years the ago. NBA final game six last year, the deciding game only netted 12 million views. Right. And with uh, all these streaming services taking all the viewers away from just regular uh, NBC and all that stuff, it's crazy that you hit 70 million. Like that shows how king the NFL is. Yeah, you know, in, it doesn't factor in how many people are out, you know, at public places watching the football games on TV as well. Like, it's definitely closer to over 100 million for sure. It's just, it's amazing how the NFL has just, it keeps growing and it's every week matters. And I mean, last week did wonders for it. I mean, if, if you're just a casual viewer and you're tuning in now and saw that, you have to be hooked. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, and I will continue to say, I think it was the best weekend the NFL has seen definitely in recent memory. Um, every game was close. And I mean, more upsets happened this week, too, than what was expected. Well, well let's get into some of the, the games that we just witnessed. Uh, where do you want to start? Yes. Uh, well, they began the weekend with uh, Cincinnati and Tennessee. Um, I, mean, I mean, to me, it was the least exciting heading into it for me. I thought um, t- Tennessee was uh, uh, overrated. I feel like teams are higher on Tennessee than I was. I'm not surprised that uh, Cincinnati was able to take it. Yeah. Um, but the, the issue there is uh, Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times that week. Um, offensive lines like that just aren't going to hold up yeah. when you're playing the best of the best. That's that's insane. That number there. I uh, going forward the Bengals. I I'm really interested to see where they're gonna go because a lot of teams that kind of make the jump that they just did, you know, they show up and then they lose that game, and it's still a very successful season for them. But the fact that they knocked off the top seed, and and they're gonna be playing Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I mean, that was Can- or Cincinnati's first road playoff win ever. Yeah, and I mean you you see it. Uh, quite a bit, you know. You can get to a title game with Blake Bortles or or our boy Case Keenum. Like it yeah. happens. Yeah. But um, I mean, Burrow's definitely on a much higher level than those guys. But just as a team in general, um, like they're good. I just don't consider them great yet. Um, I think that this is their ceiling at the moment is an AFC title game. I yeah, I agree. Going forward, Kansas City. I don't know if anybody could can knock them off in the AFC going into it. Um, yeah, the I, only one who could have would have been Buffalo, and they lost on a coin flip. Right. Well, we'll get into that shortly. Uh, but Cincinnati going forward and for years to come, as we've said in weeks prior, uh, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, they're like I, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. They're all relatively young. They're going to be a good core. And with as a Pittsburgh fan, I don't like seeing Cincinnati like that. I, I like that they play for confidence. There's not really a uh, cockiness to what they do. It seems more... You, yeah. you know, you get you get younger guys who like to, you know, have other extracurriculars like, you know, TikTok or their Instagram brains in addition to what they're doing. You don't really see that in Cincinnati. I see Bur- Burrow comes across with a confidence and a swagger that's, you know, in a good way. And, you know, I'm excited to see how they pan out. I think it, it, it's something to be said for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow playing together at LSU in a winning environment and kind of bringing that there. I think that's kind of what they know. So that's what they just do. You know, when, when you're when you're part of a winning organization, winning, uh, you know, team for so long with LSU, and you you just, it's, we practice what you do, and they practice excellence. Yeah, I mean, they definitely saved Zach Taylor's job this year. He was on the hot seat heading into the year. And, um, you know, just based off the play of those LSU guys, I think, you know, it's, it's going to save his job for another couple seasons. Yeah, in Tennessee, uh, I didn't get to see a lot of that game because I was working during it. But uh, we'll see. I mean, Ryan I mean, yeah, Tannehill is not getting any younger. Including the one on the first play. I think that. You know, if you're going to try to trick them with Derrick Henry in there and you go play action, you, you got to take a shot deep, none of that intermediate stuff. And, I mean, he was picked off, and that set the tone immediately from the get-go. Yeah. Okay, we can get into the other AFC game then. Uh, Cincinnati will be playing Kansas City, as we saw. 
Uh, that game was one of the best games I've ever watched. Yeah, I agree. And it came down to a coin flip, like I said. Um, there were three lead changes, you know, in the span of the last, what was it, like, like minute, minute or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kansas City went ahead, and then Josh Allen had a minute and two seconds to operate a drive. He, he goes ahead, head, you know, um, and what was his name? Uh, caught four touchdowns. Oh, number 13. Uh, yeah, I, Gabe. I, I'm drawing a blank. But, um, yeah, four touchdowns. And there's the one. Gabe Davis, I think. Flick of the, yeah, yeah. yeah. F- flick of the wrist. It went 40 yards to him. You know, it's just incredible what he did. Yeah. And then it was even better to see Mahomes 13 seconds. Gets his team in field goal range on two plays. Um, That was actually less time than Dak Prescott had when he ran his QB sneak against uh, (laughs) San Fran and all the clock ran out. Um, I understand it's a little bit different since Mahomes had three timeouts, but I mean, they evened it up, went to overtime and I agree. It's one of the, it's probably the best quarterback play I've ever seen in a football game. Yeah. I mean, I, I was watching most of the game, but the last like three minutes regulation was the best football I've ever seen going back and forth. And it wasn't like, it was sloppy play or anything. These guys were just executing. There were fourth downs. There were these clutch plays. And it was just so entertaining. And you did feel like whoever got the ball in overtime was going was gonna to score. And in something like that, I do. I There's people who are complaining about the overtime rules, people who are okay with it. I think that should be changed just for like situations like that where it's back and forth. I think if you go down and score a touchdown, the other team should get to match whatever. Like yeah, you have I, to match I, or do better I, than I what they did previously. I, I used to, you know, I, I and then like, after they each get one, then it's sudden death. I, I, I like the role change that they had, you know, from the get go when it was just, you can kick a field goal. That, that was a horrible role. Yeah. So I think they did a great job of addressing it. Um, the way they have it now, but in situations like that, I totally agree. We got to rework it, especially in the regular season, to avoid ties. Uh, I know the goal is to avoid more players getting injured, but in a scenario like that, I'm all in favor of. We're talking maximum one extra drive in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and we or or actually at maximum like two because. If you're gonna go score, say that say the opening team scores a touchdown, okay, that would be the end of the game. I think in this they should let the other team score or let the other team get the ball. I mean, a field goal does you no good. You have to score the same amount of points, or you can if you go for two or something, then you can win the game even that way. Like, but for that they should each get one, and then after that, if neither of them score on the first one, then touchdown, field goal, whatever will win it. Yeah, and I feel like, too, um, I was initially upset that, uh, you know, Allen couldn't get the ball, but I did see that um, Patrick, or not Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, when they lost and Mahomes didn't get a chance to possess the ball against New England, did propose that, you know, following the loss, that, you know, both teams should get a shot in overtime. And the Bills were one of the teams that said no to the role change. Uh, well, when you kind of, you know, you, gotta, you make your bed, you got to sleep in it kind of thing. Yeah, but you know, and that's it's so a shame to see Josh Allen not get the ball in this scenario. I wanted to see Mahomes against Brady get a chance at the ball. I'd like to see Allen get a shot against Mahomes as well. You know, Buffalo wins that toss, they win the game. The only wrong thing Josh Allen did in that game was called tails instead of heads. Right. 
And that really does. Like, I think in this situation, with the momentum of both offenses, it did. And a lot of times, games don't come down to the coin toss or whatever. In this situation, I think it did. It did, but both quarterbacks just played on a whole other level than everybody out there. It looked like, you know, when, when like, an SEC team gets a cupcake in week one. Yeah. It just looked like those guys going out and just balling all over. But then a lot of people are saying, oh, well, defense, it's a third of the game. Defense and special teams are thirds of the game, and you got to stop them there. Yeah, but, like, the way both of them were going, Kansas City wasn't going to stop Buffalo at that at that point, I don't think. No, no one was stopping anybody. You know, when Tyron Matthew got the concussion and left, it, it was easy pickings for uh, Buffalo. And I know Buffalo, Buffalo has a top-notch defense, if you look at um, the stats throughout the year, but... Just no one was going to stop Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey. You know, it is it is what it is. Like, your best asset is Josh Allen and the fact that he can't touch the ball in overtime. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's unfair. It's handicapping your best part and saying go out and win. And I don't understand what, what the NFL would really have against that. Like, that's what you would want. That's what fans would want to see. I, I agree. It would just be a, maybe a player's thing where they don't want to risk injury because you have to remain consistent with the role. So if you're doing it now, like in the playoffs, you should probably have to do it in the regular season. Yeah, but I think in the regular season, then give them each one shot. And then if they go down and tie or whatever, then after that, then a field goal will win it again. But like I in that situation, too, just because it's in the regular season that I mean. It, it could be just as important. We found out the, the tie in Detroit almost cost the Steelers a playoff. Yeah, yeah, it did. And, I mean, fortunately for the Steelers, it benefited them. But, yeah, I agree. I think that there should be an opportunity for both teams to possess a ball and score a touchdown. And if they match, yeah, sudden death. Yeah, I, I'm totally cool with that. It's just... Um, and how often do you think that they, they go down and and score a touchdown and the other team matches it. Like nobody's going to complain about that because then the game is still very competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Plus like it's about wins and losses. I'd like to get ties out as much as possible and definitely in a scenario like we saw this past week in the playoffs. Yeah, cuz I mean when you look at another sport like the NHL, like they take out the shootout scenario in the playoffs cuz it's, you know, it's not the actual game. In an actual game, when they say, at overtime, they say, we're starting a new game. That's not the case. The Bills don't get a chance to possess the ball. Give them both just one shot, and if it doesn't pan out, you know, then so be it. The one team gets the W if they score, and the other team can't. I feel like this is almost like if they did the NHL playoffs and they did a shootout, but if the first team scored, well, your your goalie should have stopped it. They don't even give the other team a a chance to score. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't like that. Uh-huh. So I, I think they need to. I think they both need to have and more possession, and then do everything else. Every the everything else, the role is fine. You know, you have to score a touchdown, field goal, whatever it is, and if you don't, then the game is over. But I do think each team should possess the possess the ball at least one time. Yeah, I agree. I I think that you know that should have been avoided in general. Though I feel like uh, Buffalo should have kicked the kickoff. They should have kicked it short. Because there's 13 seconds, you gotta run some of that clock off. Um, the second they kicked it at the back, back the end zone for a touchback, it's too much time. 25. I knew they only had a few yards to go on a couple plays for a guy like Mahomes. He's gonna get you down the field. And with if a Byron guy Pringles like Tyreek Hill, to him. I could see if it's Tyreek Hill, maybe you don't kick to him. But in that scenario, I'm kicking it short and running some time off I, the clock before I let them get a chance to, you know, possess. 
since we're mentioning that, when, after the Bills scored and went ahead for the first time, I think, and that it was before Tyreek Hill got uh, the catch on the slant and just ran, I've never seen a human being just outrun <laughs> NFL caliber defensive backs like nothing. He did that. And then he also threw up the peace sign. I feel like if we're going to say consistent again, that has to be a taunting penalty. Yeah, that one should have been. And if that was a taunting penalty before the end zone, that would have been no touchdown, right? Yeah, just like, I mean, the hit we saw Eric Weddle on Mike Evans, it was unnecessary roughness this week. Fortunately, that ball hit the ground before, yeah, right before. the hit, or else he would have had a chance to possess the ball still. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I saw. Somewhere the league said that because like the guy was in front of Tyreek Hill instead of behind him, it didn't technically count as taunting okay. or something like that. And I, I don't like that. I, I don't, in my opinion, that should not be a flag in general. But all the other taunting penalties throughout the regular season should not have been penalties. As I, well. I agree, it shouldn't be. But if it but is going to be, it, then you have to do it. You have to flag Tyreek Hill on that play. Yeah. But it is just impeccable to see. I think it was Poyer. Like, anybody else, they had the edge on. Even after that touchdown, when they hit him on that first one before they hit Kelsey on on the field goal drive at the end. I mean, they gave – there was so much coverage off him. Like, I would have to have a guy closer to him and make somebody else beat me. I mean, they had had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey make the the catches at the end that mattered. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to have somebody else beat you. Yeah, and they sucked their game plan. They rushed four and dropped seven in coverage. And, I mean, they were getting some pressure, but no one was tackling Mahomes when they got to him. And then he was able to, you know, receivers finding the holes in the zones and beating their men. It was, you know, it was quite a scene out there. And, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey clearly being his go-to guys. I mean, maybe it is. Those those probably are the guys you're zeroing in on. It's just, it's another thing to actually go out and execute. Yeah. So... Going forward, we have Kansas City and Cincinnati. Who do you like in this matchup? Right now, it's a seven-point spread, which is really big for an AFC title game. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, uh, despite that, and didn't Cincinnati win in the? uh, Did Cincinnati win in the regular season, or did they just come? Cincinnati beat them by a field goal. Yeah, Um, it's tough to be a team twice in one year. Get alone. I know Tyron Matthews on concussion protocol. But I, I like the, the Chiefs that week. I think Burrow, who was sacked nine times last week, he's actually was um, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the entire league this year. You just don't win football games that way. Chiefs did finish 29th in sacks, which will help the Bengals. But their pass rush, you, you see a significant increase in pressures when they br- brought in Melvin Ingram and Chris Jones returning. So I'm thinking... They're going to apply a lot of pressure to Burrow, and it's going to be, you, you know, it, it's a tough. They're playing a much tougher team this week than Tennessee. Yeah. In oh, terms yeah, of offensively, sure. Tannehill can't match Burrow, but I know Mahomes can. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It could be. I, this could be a, a great game. Do you, Do you know? Are they both on Sunday? Yes, they are. Okay, good. I'm glad they did that. Um, but yeah, I I like Kansas City. Uh, I think seven's a big spread to put on somebody, especially when Cincinnati won the first game. Um, it seems like maybe four, I would think, for the home team there. But uh, I'm just going to go. I, with I, it. I, I mean, I, Mahomes doesn't lose at home in the playoffs yeah. unless it's on a coin flip. You know? I like um, Kansas City, but I don't think I like Kansas City to cover. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just like Kansas City, so I'm, I'm going to say um, they cover. I would just say throughout the game, it's a tough spread, but I'm going to stick with what I've been doing all year. Well, the that's what I like to win. Yeah, I like to cover. Kansas City can just go go and put up 50 points, but I think the Bengals can also. So that's why the only reason I, I think maybe not the, the seven points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're both capable of putting up points. I just think it, they need better protection if they expect to hang in there against Mahomes. And then let's go NFC. We have Tampa Bay Buccaneers and LA Rams, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the Rams won, and it, it looked like that game was almost scripted to get the spread covered in a way. Yeah, four fumbles on the Rams' part. They looked sloppy in the second half more so than Tampa Bay looking good, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but the, the Rams came out. They stomped them in the first half and held on at the very end just to get the W. I'll tell you what, if Tom Brady won that game... It uh, like it, it's insane that it even came back that close. Not that I'm saying it was all Tom Brady. The Rams definitely uh, did yeah, their I mean, look did at all their the part. Pass Stafford has versus what Brady had in that game, and it came down to that. Yeah, That's I mean Brady incredible. had Mike Evans and Mike Evans only getting guarded by the best corner in football. Yeah, if you look at that receiving core, you know, eight weeks ago, and look at it now, it's very different. And like I said, the difference maker, I thought that Tampa Bay could hang on for the W, but they, they didn't. But and it's like I said last week, it's Tristan Wirth's going to make or break it. And their offense shrank, shrank significantly due to that. They couldn't block Aaron Donald. McVay just threw him at left end and rushed, you know, from that side where they're down to their third tackle. And then they, they had to throw Leonard Fournette or the backs or the tight ends and to support just to slow down Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald. I mean, and then you saw, you know, the number of weapons went from little to even smaller, and it was tough for Tampa Bay to move the ball. Yeah. I'm, I'm, LA was one of the teams, I think, going into this season. I think, I can't, do you remember what our picks were at the beginning of the year? I think I, I said the Rams were going to come out of the NFC. I thought it was going to, it might have been an LA Super Bowl, Chargers and Rams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but for Rams are, I think they're probably the best roster in the NFL. Um, and it's another thing to say. There's a difference between collecting talent and actually having a good team. Yeah, that's talent. They have the best collection of talent, and we'll see if they're the best team. Yeah. that's It's interesting to see. I I love Sean McVay and seeing what, what he can do. It's, it's I think he's a very impressive coach, and it's just – Having those guys, like you said, Odell Beckham seems to be fitting in pretty well there. Yeah, and I have a list of – so Sean McVay has been there since 2017, and some of the accusations he's made has been incredible. He's um, – some of the past guys he acquired that are no longer there include Sammy Watkins, Marcus Peters, Keep Tlaib, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Young, and Dante Fowler, well, yeah, and Clay Matthews. Like, he's not afraid – to go out and sign these guys or trade picks for these guys, they haven't had a first-round pick since they took Jared Goff. Oh, He's wow. going out and making these moves. And um, some of their current guys they still have, Austin uh, Kubert, uh, J- Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford, Vaughn Miller, Sony Michelle. These are guys they all got in trades, and like they're willing to sacrifice their draft picks for these guys who are you know, slam dunks and they also use for agency, like like we said, we take yeah. out OBJ, Eric Weddle's back, Leonard Floyd. It's weird because a lot of times you, when you see people trying to do that, it doesn't work out, like uh, Washington or Dallas or some teams like that. Yeah, just a bring lot guys of them in. It's, it's not the right fit. Prime. 
yeah. McVay's taking assets like draft picks, which are valuable, and acquiring guys who are talented and want out, or guys who are at the tail end of their careers who can still play for a little bit. And, yeah. I mean, it seems to be a formula that's been working incredible. I mean, since 2017, they've been competitive every year. Sean McVay's only missed the playoffs once. And that's coming from a team that was, you know, the worst in the league before he got there. Yeah. He, he's been great. And I'm I'm really happy to see uh, Matt Stafford with the playoff win. And I want to see what he does. Yeah, yeah except coming from a dumpster fire like Detroit, <laughs> I mean, he's 2-0 and in the playoffs outside of Detroit. So, I mean, you can't really argue with the success he's had. Do you think, think there's a city in America that has more literal dumpster fires in it than Detroit probably does <laughs> on a regular basis? Uh, no, and I say that with confidence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Chicago might be up there. Uh, but I think Detroit, it probably, you know, blows them away. Two to one, maybe, even. But we'll, yeah. we'll get back to that. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, they what they had in golf, they made a Super Bowl with them. They just knew it wasn't enough, so they went out and got Matt Stafford, who was, you know, keeping a failing organization somewhat afloat. And now that he's found a culture that fits him and the rest of these guys, I mean, yeah, they're competing. They they could very easily go back to another Super Bowl. It's Yeah, they're competing now. It's interesting to see, like you were saying, with the draft picks, will they still be relevant in three years or whatever? Um, so that'll be, that's one of the other things you kind of see when you don't draft the talent, when you bring kind of guys in that do have a couple years, but a couple years add up after a couple years. So, yeah, it's, it's all about like, can we keep these guys under contract and, you know, I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. I'm sure, I'm sure he, he has it under control. He knows much better than I, but, uh, you do sometimes see that. So I'm worried about that. I mean, you look at the Steelers without hitting on some early draft picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they've, and even guys like, you know, Andrew Whitworth, who we acquired, some of them are aging veterans. So if they do retire, you know, you do need to find Andrew them. Whitworth doesn't get his due because of people like Tom Brady, but Andrew Whitworth plays a position, a high impact, high importance position, and he's been doing it for forever. Yeah. And so, same with Trent Williams on San Fran. These are yeah. two of my favorite left tackles in the game. And, just the wear and tear for the position and their age, and they're still probably the two best in the league at this point. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, Andrew Whitworth probably played with, you know, some of these guys' dads. Um, let's get into the other game then. Uh, San Francisco and uh, who the hell did San Francisco? Green Bay. Green Bay. Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, – that was a surprise for me. I thought Green Bay was going to go in and uh, – especially in Lambeau. I thought they were going to pull away with that. And yet again, Kyle Shanahan, they find ways to win in the playoffs when they get in. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So last week I said Green Bay would cover, but I wasn't confident with it. Um, Obviously, I was wrong. I thought that this was the best home field advantage in the NFL, which it very likely is. It's just San Fran is a team built very different than the other teams in today's NFL. We see... A lot of teams are like over the top, flashy jet sweeps, all that. Yeah. And San Fran does do some of that, but they're naturally just a physical team that will control the line of scrimmage, run the football, and manage the game. And um, they did not play well against Green Bay at all. And it came down to special teams. And that's one way they found a win. Yeah. I think I saw that Aaron Rodgers is what, 0 4 against San Francisco in, playoff, in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I mean, 
Yeah, yeah, zero and four in San Fran with um, Kyle Shanahan. When they get in the playoffs, they roll like this is Gar- with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're in their second NFC title game. That's incredible. That's such like a, a testament to his coaching, and like they they got into the playoffs. Like going in during the season, uh, the Rams. I thought the Rams and the Cardinals were kind of a two horse race, and San Francisco was an afterthought in the NFC West. And now you have these divisional player or teams playing each other in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, Kyle Shanahan's actually seven and three in his career against Sean McVay, six and zero in just, his last six. I was just about to ask what their head to head was. That's that's crazy that it's six and zero in the last meeting or six meetings. Yeah, and he just has had his number this entire time, and he, including the playoffs, he's thirty-five and fifteen with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, and with anyone else, he's eight and twenty-eight. Wow. So, I mean, you can't just say it's all Shanahan. I mean, Garoppolo finds ways to win too, despite what they do. Know, and I think, I think, I think San Francisco isn't as good just because they have like a very unique offense. Like nobody else has an offense like them. Yeah, that's what I was saying to Like, they are a physical team in a flashy era. And, and like, you that's see these guys like Kittle and Ustrek and Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is probably my favorite player to watch in the NFL right now. They just have a lot of, like, guys that want to – they have a lot of tough guys, tough yeah. cats. That's, that's really what I like. Debo like, Samuel's six-yard run at the end. Uh, are you – do you remember what which one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the best plays I've I've seen. Like you, you don't see wide receivers make plays like that. And I know he's kind of a, a hybrid, but that was a clutch play. And you don't see runs for six yards in a position like that. Plus, those hybrid players they come. In Every other team is passing. Like, you know, those hybrid type players. Like I was going to say, is like they're still. A little one-dimensional, or they're two-dimensional, but their two dimensions aren't necessarily the best. Like, yeah. Taysom Hill, not a franchise quarterback. Yeah. And definitely not a starter, running back or tight end, or whatever we pretend he likes to play, too. Yeah. Um, he is a football player, though. Uh, and, like, uh, Percy Harvin, you know, he, he was a pretty good receiver, pretty decent, just get, well, give the ball to him in space, you know? I, I was listening to uh, something earlier with... Uh, Chris Carter, and I think the way that he described him was perfect for Debo Samuel. He said he's like a hybrid of Percy Harvin and Anquan Bolden. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I was gonna say it was, but with Debo, it's like both his dimensions are done well. Like he's either the best route running and catching running back of all time, or he's just the most powerful wide receiver of all time. Yeah, well, that's you what know, it he is. He he does. He reminds he me the way he. The way he runs after he has the ball is similar to Anquan Bolden. Like, he was going to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't see the, the wide receivers today are like, I want big plays to get recognition on social media okay, or whatever Chase, it is. Chase Claypool has, don't give me that vibe, especially yeah. Debo Samuel. You see guys will, you know, catch the ball and then step out of bounds or whatever, most of them. And mm-hmm. he, he yeah. plays like a tight end kind of. Yeah, I, I love the way he plays. I like everything about his game, and I agree. He's one of my favorite players to watch, regardless of position. Yeah. And then they have other guys built the same. Like I'm not saying like as versatile, but just tough guys. Trent Williams, uh, George Kittle, um, Kyle Uzcheck, Fred Warner, and Nick Bosa, who both came back from injury to play this week. Yeah. 
I, I love what they have in San Francisco. That'll be interesting. Well, let's talk about that. San Francisco going up against the LA Rams. Who do you like in this matchup? What's the spread? The spread's three and a half in favor of San Fran. And I'm going to tell you, I, I like San Fran. So they're the favorite in this? No. Uh, oh, Rams okay. I thought you meant in favor that way. No, Rams are the favorite, but I personally do like San Fran. Yeah. That, I know. I think playing in LA is a major advantage because it's a dome. Rams can run their, you know, they, they could launch the ball downfield. Don't have to worry about the wind or the cold yeah, right, or whatever right. it is. But having said, I mean, Shanahan has McVay's number. Jimmy Garoppolo has a big chip on his shoulder. I know. I know Stafford. The difference maker could be Matt Stafford. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I, I just, I mean, he's zero and two as a Ram against the Forty ers so far. Right. I. Just from what I've seen, Niners play better against the Rams than the Rams do against them. I think that, you know, this time of year, everyone's hurt, but everyone's playing through, you know, their injuries. And I think that San Fran is a, you know, they're a throwback team. They are tough. I think the Rams. They like let other teams make their mistakes and then they just capitalize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I think that um, it's going to be a tough tough team to you know control like i said control the line of scrimmage andrew whitworth missed last week we'll see if he can go this week and if not just steal what the rams did take nick bosa and have him rush the backup tackle yeah yeah I, it's it's definitely interesting to see i'm i'm interested to see the the coaching matchup uh and if matt stafford can be the difference because if it really comes down to it i think if a team needs a big play and it comes down to the quarterback I like Stafford, but I also like Stafford to make the big play in favor of the opposing defense. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that uh, Stafford has the better arm and the bigger upside, but I think Garoppolo's better at making the smart throw consistently. He'll find the guys, his playmakers in space, and not force anything, whereas Matt Stafford does take his shots, which lead to turnovers. And at this stage of the game, turnovers you know, win and lose football games. I mean, I, I, I guess, unless you're the Rams and fumble it four times last week, but um, th- that's another thing. Cam Akers is going to have to, you know, hold on to the football. I think that Niners will capitalize and Bucks couldn't because their offense were shrunk. They're coming in with a healthy offensive line. I think that uh, San Fran's going to be a tough matchup for the Rams. So going forward, you're thinking 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl? Yeah, I think it's going to be a um, rematch from the one a couple years ago. Um, I, I like Kansas City to win again at the moment, but it, I'm a little disappointed. I, I really wanted to get uh, Brady and Garoppolo in the NFC title game to see, you know, how, how Belichick would react. Yeah, his two, his his like two kids. Yeah, and it's like I know he wanted to keep Garoppolo, and then you know, it's just it, it would have been a really. Really funny scenario. I think. Well, Garoppolo might have worked out in that New England system. I mean, you see guys built like Tom Brady. I mean, he's crushing it still. But I mean, look at Mac Jones. Jimmy Garoppolo is like kind of, you know, not make the mistake game manager type. Yeah, yeah, and it's it it, it, it it's incredible what those guys have done. You know, in New England and. I just would like to see them go head-to-head. I think that there's still some tension between those two in a way. I think that Brady really wanted to prove something. And against San Fran, too, which was his favorite team growing up as a kid, I think that 
it just it just would have been a cool a cool matchup and a good story to see. Well, speaking of San Francisco being a favorite team, that was Aaron Rodgers' team growing up as well, right? Yeah, and uh, they passed on for Alex Smith, and I think that Brady and Rodgers both kind of. I think they both wanted to play in San Fran at one point. And yeah, funny how it works out. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's it's crazy that Aaron Rodgers zero and four against San Francisco. I think he'll always kind of have a chip on his shoulder against the Forty ers Yeah, um, absolutely. And but I, like, who cares? Is if Forty ers keep beating him, like have your chip? Yeah, yeah. It's really obviously quite one sided when it comes to that yeah. rival. Yeah. <laughs> That was like the years, for years, when it was the, the Browns and Steelers rivalry. Like, nobody's worried about Kelly Holcomb and Quincy Morgan beating us. Yeah, and yeah, they won, like, what, three out of the last 30 or whatever it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but speaking of Aaron Rodgers, do you think he's going to be even returning to Green Bay next year? Uh, I know him and Brady have both contemplated. Well, Rodgers has contemplated leaving for a different team. Um, Is Rodgers' contract up? No, he's still under contract for one more season. Okay. Devontae Adams' contract is up there. So uh, what what do you think that it is with Rodgers? Do you think he stays or do you think he forces his way out? Uh, I know he said he was going to take some time to think about it. He was not going to wait until like after free agency to make a decision to like screw over the organization. Um, yeah. and, and, I mean, I don't really know enough de- details at the moment. I don't really know if their relationship's gotten better or worse. But at this moment, I think it would just be smart to hang on to him if he'd be willing to play and uh as of today i'm gonna say that he stays yeah it's just so unlikely that you ever see any kind of players move like that in the nfl mm-hmm. like, I, I think he's seeing what brady did of tampa what peyton did in denver and maybe he just wants to start his own thing well then he would also have to go to a team that i mean what's he thinking denver oakland or not yeah. geez, oakland las vegas uh, pittsburgh Denver would be such a tough fit because of how tough the division is. Green Bay just stay, play in the same division as the Bears and Lions, you know. (laughs) Same with Brady. There's rumors that he may be retiring. Um, In my opinion, I think he's going to look it over if his kid's wife. I think they're playing a role in it. He always said he wanted to play until he was 45. So I'm thinking he goes one more year and calls it quits. Is he under contract for another year as well? He is under contract one more year. I'm not necessarily sure he's loving the culture in tampa bay i know he was talking all week about how they need to be focused and focused and focused yeah and they didn't pan out he he's a man that likes structure um you know i mean look at his whole career though like he's so used to that and i think you go to other teams and they win and then they get kind of complacent like okay we're here we don't have to work like we do and he knows i mean he would know better than anybody you have you take your foot off that gas and that's when other teams catch you yeah, you're absolutely right, and you see that in, you know, sunny Tampa Bay where, you know, they're drinking cocktails, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, when they get off the clock, that's the first thought, you know, even Brady was drunk at the Super Bowl party this year. You would never expect to have seen that from him. I'm thinking maybe one more year, and I'm going to assume it's in Tampa because of the cap hit and everything, but I think if one of these guys were to leave, they would want the San Fran job because they're not sure about Garoppolo. I know they drafted Trey Lance, but maybe groom San Francisco a year behind one of these would guys. make would make sense as the only other place maybe for Tom Brady. I can't see him moving his family, moving from Florida to go. What? Where are you going to go? I mean, Denver's great, but do you, I mean, 
Do you really want to go to that team and that? I mean, do they even have a coach right now? Yeah, that's right. They're looking for a coach at the moment. They don't have that. Like, is that something you want to do on year when you're 45 years old going in or 44? And I think Tampa Bay has a better roster. Like you also kind of. have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. Like you have some Godwin's contract will be up. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of times I think you see guys who get uh, you know take a big injury, they uh, will resign with their current team for less. Yeah, yeah. You I think you'll that. see that with Juju this year. <laughs> well, well, let's hope not. Yeah, I think he'll be back. Uh, I can see that. I, I think they're just so used to like, oh, we know him, so let's bring him in. Yeah, but he did say he would like to play with Mahomes. Oh, really? But what? Today. He's going to go in and be the the fourth receiver. I mean, Kansas City really doesn't have another option at wide receiver. No. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see. The, I hope they bring AB. AB said I hope they bring like AB in. <laughs> with his doesn't his cousin or his nephew or yeah. something? Um, Marquise Hollywood. He's yeah. uh, their cousins. Could you imagine that? He yeah, I saw it. that he was should like, be a reality like, show. He's like, I like Lamar Jackson. I'd like to play with him, and then you could just sense Lamar Jackson in his head thinking, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my <laughs> god, that is like like the guilty by association. Like, yeah, it, I want it would be nothing week to do one. With Lamar you. will have, you know, a hundred and forty four rushing yards and two touchdowns, and Mark Andrews will have one hundred and sixty yards and two other touchdowns. Yeah. Baltimore will be winning thirty five to three against somebody, and AB will be throwing it hissy fit because he has two catches for you know nine yards. Yeah, remember when he like burned his feet off? Yeah, <laughs> he like. AB's a wet, like frozen or whatever happened. Yeah, he he was like in the cryo thing, and it like they got him like frozen so bad that like the skin like died. It was like the the skin was frostbitten or something. Yeah, well, with him now, it's like every moment is no longer surprising. He was like at the Knicks game while while Tampa Bay was still like in the stadium. <laughs> He, he is. He's kind of like, I mean, not like Dennis Rodman because Dennis Rodman won a bunch. But, like, it's just guys you see that you're like, what even is their life? Right. You know, yeah. I could totally see AB showing up on WWE or yeah. something. You know, like, well, or in North did. Korea or something. Yeah, yeah. I could totally see him being cool with, like, King Jong-un. Yeah, or Putin or something. Like, I could totally see that. AB takes over the Eastern Europe. <laughs> They'd send him right back to yeah. <laughs> Mr. Big Chest. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. Big Chest. If you're going to give yourself a nickname, maybe not Mr. Big Chest. Mr. Big Chest is the most hilarious name. <laughs> like I, Even like Mr. Strong Chest would be better. I wish AB would come back to the Steelers. <laughs> I mean, maybe for a laugh. Just for a dumpster fire year. Like, what else are yeah. they going to do? Now that Ben's gone. Yeah. Hey, that's maybe that's who was holding them back. But uh, yeah, bring bring Le'Veon Bell in. Well, they're, yeah. sw- they're the Steelers are switching up their look. Though Keith Butler is just retiring, right? Yeah, Keith Butler. And I want. I'm curious if he's retiring or if he's retiring the same way that uh, Bruce Arians did. Yeah, I remember when Bruce Arians retired. Yeah, and then he like won Coach of the Year twice. And, and won that, Super Bowl. yeah, and then he went to like Indianapolis, and Chuck Pagano had cancer, so he like filled in, and then he went Ch- Coach of the Year then. Mm-hmm. And then he went to, like, Arizona and Arizona. wasn't he coach of the year there. And then he went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl. Is that right? Like, he's... Yeah, that's... Bruce like Arians... Basically, everything Tomlin didn't do, Arians did. I'm going to say, like, since he left the Steelers, 
is there a coach who has done more? Like maybe I mean, maybe Belichick, probably Belichick, but that that'd be maybe the, Andy, Andy Reid. Yeah, but they're, yeah. they're the outliers. Yeah, they're <laughs> the two best coaches. Well, you could say um, that for every year since two thousand one, Andy Reid and Belichick. Yeah, it's curious. I was thinking if they can build this dynasty in Kansas City with Mahomes and Andy Reid. I mean, we'll, we'll see where Reid ranks among the all-time greats. I mean, you you got up on the top ten right now. And Andy Reid is he kind of gets slept on because I think people like look at him as like a kind of goofy like bigger guy who's like jolly but like he's a hell of a football coach he has so many fc title games with donovan McNabb. you know if he had like we'll criticize him for losing nfc title games but not aaron Rodgers. yeah exactly exactly something like that this is actually the first year and i've been saying it for years um this is the first year aaron Rodgers will actually get criticism from the media this is like something because Aaron Rodgers won his Super Bowl, you know, in 2010 or whatever it was, or 2012, like around that general area, a decade ago. Uh, if 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 he won his one Super Bowl, like at this point of his career, like reversed, he'd be considered a choke artist his entire life. But because he won his one earlier, like he's yeah. he's really not produced nearly as much. I mean, he has. Uh, nine All Star game or uh, Pro Bowls. I think he's first team All Pro four times. He was MVP three times, but one Super Bowl. It's really what. And maybe it's not fair to tie Super Bowls to quarterbacks, but we do, and it's a thing. It's like the goalie in the NHL wins is a stat for goalies, and he hasn't even gotten to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and wins are a stat for quarterbacks. Um, but what I was gonna say too is he. Yeah, he's remarkable. He's great. First ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. But it's just excuse after excuse is what people make for him. Yeah. Um, after he won the Super Bowl, media fell in love with him. And it seems like Aaron can do no wrong in the eyes of many people up until this season. It was Aaron needs, you know, he got McCarthy fired. Like, let's yeah. be honest. That's what happened. Um, then it was always, well, he needs a home playoff game. So yeah. he gets one. He loses to Grappler this year. He loses to Brady the year before. He's constantly losing in these title games. And then it's, well, he, he needs more. He needs a better defense. So they draft de- defensive guys. And then it's like, well, he hasn't thrown any touchdowns to first-round wide receiver. It's like, at a certain point, you need to run out of excuses. If you're the best, some, right. some people say he's the best of all time. He's not. But generally speaking, people consider him top 10 to top 5 of all time, rightfully so. But... At that point, you need to elevate things. Like Russell Wilson, you gave him Tyler Lockett, who is a punt returner. He's your receiver. Yeah. And he wins football games. Lamar Jackson doesn't have, you know, substantial talent wide receiver, but he wins football games. If you're on a level that. I mean, look at Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger has been to three and has won two. The one that he won with Arizona, we talk about there was Heinz Ward, who was way past his prime. Nate Washington, who was serviceable, and then Antonio Holmes, who was very good. Mm-hmm. But had we, a very good we, defense too, though. Yeah, but let me get to this: Antonio Holmes versus Devonte Adams, who's better? Right, Devonte. Okay. He's the highest graded receiver the past two years. And if you look that. at the rest of of that offense, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger got it done with, with guys like that. Devonte Adams is a lot better that team. I mean, it's not like he's had, you know, no names. At, at, they, look at Tom Brady's Packers, wide receivers. since picking Aaron Rodgers, have drafted over 20 Pro Bowl players. Right. I mean, they've had Randall Cobb. They've had Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson. 
They've Greg had Devontae Adams, Greg Jennings, all these guys who have been very, very good, Pro Bowl caliber, all pro. Great players. offensive line throughout his career. Like, and it's, and, and it's at a not certain like... point, excuses need to run out. What was the excuse when they said, Brady, your number one receiver is this quarterback from Kent State? Right. Yeah, I mean, anybody else, I mean, they would, they would, I mean, they would make excuses. Not, I mean, they would, they would call out. They make excuses for Aaron Rodgers. And what's all said and done when you look at the best quarterbacks with one Super Bowl? I mean, Drew Brees has every NFL record. Maybe Brees, you know, could be when you just look at the legacies, he may be remembered better than Aaron was just because he holds every record. Yeah, but if you look at these guys, and now that I think about it, Ben Roethlisberger does not get his due for stuff like that. Um, guys like Drew Brees, who, who's done, and Aaron Rodgers, like the only going to one. Quick question: Who's Drew Brees' number one receiver? Like, pretty much throughout his Jimmy Graham. Yeah, you know, had, like he never had the guys Aaron had. Yeah. I mean, they had Aaron. they had Marcus Colston, like guys like that. They had what's his name? Oh my god, what the hell was that guy's name? He was no good. But like, yeah, the, he had a, a basketball playing tight end who was decent, and then you know. A but like of, in every year, it was an excuse after no one. When Philip Philip Rivers is deemed a choke artist, Tony Romo is deemed a choke artist. Peyton Manning was until he won a Super Bowl, and you know when Lamar loses, it's well he needs to throw the ball to receivers better, or you know. You never got that from Aaron. It was always he needs this or he needs that, and then you give him that, and he still loses. Yeah. And I've been saying it for years, but now now this is the first year of people, you know, despite him being outspoken on the McAfee show and whatnot, but he has been more polarizing this year, so there will be more backlash. But I'm just saying, as a general thumb throughout his career, he's gone off the hook way easier than so many great quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree. And you never hear about him not, you know, playing up to the big game. And a lot of times when they make to the playoffs, he's usually, you know, I mean, he's had some bye weeks. So yeah, and the meltdown it. he had against Seattle, like, yeah, in, like you, there needs to be a certain point where, like, you could be great, but if you want to be the best of all time, you elevate people around you, which Brady's done throughout his career, which... Like, like everyone, like Michael Jordan elevated everyone around him on that team. Pippen was good, but he was great because of Jordan. You know, like you elevate the guys around you and you have a better team because of that. Aaron's more condescending. And I mean, that's, that's the reality of the position. He's just not a natural leader. And I don't think that, you know, the media didn't want to cover it because he was so talented and. I feel like Peyton Manning even got more scrutiny before he won his second one. Like, he only won one. He was winning MVPs and passing, you know, yard titles and all that stuff. And Aaron, he went to another Super Bowl with the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, you get this is you get more backlash for losing a championship than you do for missing the playoffs. That is true, and I'm glad you brought that up because we've had this conversation off the air a bunch of times, and we're—, and we're on the same page with this is that people are like, well, Terry Bradshaw never lost the Super Bowl or whatever. That just means you didn't make it to a Super Bowl and won. Like you won for, which is awesome. But Tom Brady making it to what, seven or eight? Or yeah. whatever. And uh, yeah, he came in second place more often, but he also won more. So 
Like the the whole even guys like you know Dan Marino, he gets more criticized than like Dan Fouts for not winning a Super Bowl. It's like, well, Marino made it to a Super Bowl at least. Yeah, and they're like, well, they Jim Kelly, you know, like, like because people just forget because after the year, you only remember who played in the Super Bowl, who won, like, but you never dig up the fact that you know so and so didn't even reach the playoffs that year. Like who who's better? And this is like a um. just a question for everybody to think about. Like, are you better for coming in second every single year, like the Bills, or are you better for making it that one fluke time and, like, maybe winning? So, so say you do, like, make the championship win. Everybody will take the Super Bowl over the second places. But over the span of time, I mean, are you you're punished for that in perpetuity? Like, mm-hmm. it should be said for something. And that's the thing, too. Even, like... Like, I don't think all the twos equal a one, but I do think, like, a bunch of twos means more than, you know... Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Plus, like, well, I want to say, like, if you just look at it, like, well, Montana and Bradshaw are undefeated in Super Bowls or whatever, they're 4-0, and and Brady, well, is... Well, it's a lot unfair now that he has more than four, but you could say that, like, okay, so you compete in ten events in the Olympics. Yeah. Brady would have won gold six times and silver, or gold seven times and silver three times, mm-hmm. whereas they just would have won gold four times and six participation ribbons, you know? Right, yeah. That's what it is. If, if you lose a Super Bowl, it's a better accomplishment than losing an NFC championship. Yeah, I agree. But at the end of the day, it is about winning the championship. Anything else you want to get into, JP? I think that about covers uh, the, the NFL for this week. JP, we were talking about this on regular Portman's podcast yesterday. If you haven't listened to it, go back listen to it with guests on Dreams of Work. Uh, people's Sexiest Man Alive out. Paul Rudd. Thoughts? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Paul Rudd, not Sexiest Man Alive. According to who? Him? According to People Magazine, probably Marvel Who voted? Universe. Judd Apatow and only Judd Apatow? <laughs> yeah. Seth Rogen also and uh, Jason Siegel. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> um, Michael B. Jordan or Ryan Reynolds would be a better pick. George Clooney is still alive, right? Yeah, if you're going to go for, like, a handsome older man, Clooney or Tom Cruise, both better looking. I'm telling you, like, everybody, they do that with, like, okay, who's the sexiest man? They they got to put somebody else out there? I, I don't think George Clooney's been surpassed yet. So why why are we sleeping on him? I'm, I mean, Paul Rudd, I, I don't think he's even, like, top 50. Yeah, well, what is I'm it? just going to say. It's because he's a good guy. And they they like him and stuff. And he seems like a great guy. I'm not I'm not bashing Paul Rudd. I like, I like his movies. He's funny. He's a funny guy. Seems like a genuine guy. Sexiest man alive? Eh. No. Yeah. Just no. I don't know. I feel like Jimmy Grappolo is way better looking. Oh, agreed. 100%. Like you, you put him as a quarterback. I, I'm sure there are at least five better looking quarterbacks in the NFL. Speaking of the sexiest man alive, didn't they have a magazine with the most beautiful people and John Gruden was on it? Do you remember that? Yeah. No, but if you're compared to <laughs> Chucky from Child's Play, you should not be on that list. Yeah, maybe Tiffany wrote it. <laughs> maybe I mean she'd be more credible than the people who voted Paul Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I just <laughs> wanted to, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. All righty, uh, but everybody, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on whatever you're listening: Spotify, Google, 
uh, uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcast or whatever it is. Um, like us on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on TikTok and all that good stuff. But thank you so much for listening. JP, thank you again. Always. Always. There you are. Yep. Woo! And for JP, I am Chris. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. Winning. You play to win the game.